Welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham. Once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, someone I've been a fan of for a very long time, from Jackass, the great Jason Acuna, also known as Wee Man, is on the show, and this is a good one. More on that in one second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, head over to the email address, turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. That and an Instagram page and a Facebook page for this show are all run by my brother and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire, Tristan Abraham, and he will get the message to me. Thank you, Tristan, for everything you do for this show. You can also find me on Twitter or Instagram at Damien. If you want to support the show, just tell all your friends about it. Let everyone know that we have this podcast here and... One day we're talking to someone from Jackass. The next, who knows? You know, we, we go all over the map here. It's not just bands. Uh, you can also support the podcast by rating it or subscribing to it on the platform that you're listening to this thing on. Uh, or uh, heading over to turnedoutapunk.com and picking up a t-shirt. Uh, thank you to everyone who, who has done that. It is very much appreciated. I know at various times due to international banking and all this sorts of stuff. There's been some uh, issues with me setting up this uh, store and, and uh, I just very much appreciate everyone that has gone over there and picked up a shirt. It really does help. So thank you very much for that. Uh, you can also uh, support the show by uh, just listening. That's a great way to support. Uh, I play in a band. We're called Fucked Up. You can find out more information about us and the shows we're going to be playing over at fuckedup.cc. Uh, we've got a bunch of tours coming up, including the East Coast of the United States, uh, parts of Europe, uh, parts of the United States later on into September. Anyway, you find out more information there. We've also got a bunch of records and all sorts of other fun stuff. Okay, on to today's show. As I said off the top, someone I've been a fan of for a very long time, going all the way back to... Well, Big Brother magazine and the Big Brother skate videos that came out way back when. Uh, Jason Acuna, also known as Wee Man, is someone who, you know, as I tell him in the interview, he's provided me with many hours of of entertainment as part of this crew that, yeah, I might put a little extra weight on uh, artistically than, than a lot of other people would, but I think that Jackass is a really important... Uh, you know, group to examine, you know, this is some, this is a group of people, you know, we've had a bunch of other episodes with, you can check out Danger Aaron on the show or check out the one with Steve-O because this comes up on there too. And I really belabor this point on those episodes as well. This is a group that has changed entertainment forever, but also changed the way that we look at culture. It, it's, uh, you know, they blur the line between, I think, low brow culture and, and highbrow culture in a way, you know, because it is vaguely performance art, but I die. You'll hear me go on in a very, uh, actually I should also say this now. I was kind of in the grips of a COVID exhaustion when I recorded this episode. So I'm not, <laughs> not quite where I should be in terms of, uh, thoughts coming to me and things like that. And so, uh, I apologize, to Jason for this, but also apologize to you in advance because, uh, yeah, it wasn't my best day listening back to this thing, but you'll hear in a second. Jackass, uh, 4.5 is uh, streaming now 
on your, uh, I believe just, uh, well, maybe just on Netflix, maybe on a couple other streaming services, check it out. It is, uh, <laughs> I, I think, I think you, if, if you're, if you're a fan of Jackass, you know what to expect from this thing. And they kind of take it to another, another place this time around. And that of course goes for Jackass forever, which I believe will be coming to streaming services very soon. I think you can watch it on home on demand still. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Jason Weemanakuna on Turned Out a Punk. Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, no worries. Thank you for having me. Super well, excited. Well, as I was telling you off air, I'm a huge fan, and I kind of, you know, and 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 you know, Steve O's been on the podcast, and Danger Aaron's a, a friend and been on a, a couple times and stuff, and. I think you guys are probably the largest, but somehow also the most underrated performance art troupe in the world. <laughs> performance art troupe—that's well, a first. Well, you're taking—you—you you are doing essentially performance art, you know, in the same way that people like have done this sort of stuff in galleries for years, you know, like extreme performance art. But yeah. you're taking—you're taking it to like the the stadium level, so it's like. The punk band doing their show in the basement, but doing it in a giant stadium at this point. Oh, dang. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll get Sweet. to we'll get to all my overblown jackass theories and philosophies later on. I promise I'm going to bore <laughs> you with that. But I got to awesome. start, start it off the way they all start off, which is, Jason, how'd you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across it? Um, I remember I was a kid. And I, there was a news article about some kid like in a neighborhood I grew up in Hermosa Beach making anarchy t-shirts in his backyard. And I was like, anarchy's pretty rad. So I would say that was probably the initial first time I'd seen punk or heard of punk. And then uh, a little bit later, you know, when you're in middle school, you start getting into different music. Metal was kind of my first genre of music and then like you start hearing other bands and they kind of they marinate together but then there is separation from metal and punk and i would say slayer well slayer is more metal but they do a punk album they do a punk tribute um anything that was fast and heavy to me i kind of considered punk and then there's like like how rancid is like kind of a ska punk. And then of course there's like Black Flag Circle Jerks that's like, you know, beat the system punk. <laughs> so uh, I kind of had a, a mix of all, uh, a soup bowl of all of them. Well, you're kind of growing up in the hotbed for punk, you know, certainly yeah. hardcore punk, especially. I grew up uh, in the South Bay of LA where, uh, Circle Jerks, Black Flag, Descendants, Pennywise, all of them came from. And, uh, you know, just didn't know, didn't know that, that they were there when I was a kid, but then grew up later and realized I, I did grow up in, like, the home of punk rock. Yeah. It's interesting talking to people that grew up there because, you know, like, in other places, punk rock is much more... I don't know, like underground, maligned, or kind of like pushed to the side. Whereas in, in, you know, Southern California, it is 
like a popular form of music, especially post Pennywise, yeah. like not maybe in the early 80s or the mid 80s. But as time would go on, it would kind of explode yeah. there first. Yeah. Like Pennywise started off super small and they're like huge now. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's like the OC bands too, like the Offspring and uh, JFA and who else came from out here? A lot of, a lot of those bands. But Absolutely. then uh, I was always interested in like Minor Threat, you know, DC punk and stuff like that. So before you got into the punk stuff, where were you getting into metal music from? Like, were you watching it on MTV or is it through magazines or certainly not the radio? Magazines. Yeah. Hit Parade Magazine or Hit Parader Magazine. I love that magazine. Every time I went to the grocery store, like with my mom, I didn't want to like go shopping. So I went to the magazine section, looked at surfing, skateboarding and Hit Parade and Circus. Circus Magazine. It was kind of a glory period for magazines. And like, you know, I was, I was thinking about that a lot today with Big Brother and how that was kind of like, you know, prior to, you know, magazines, you know, the Internet killing it all off. Like that, yeah. was, kind of, that was kind of the apex of where magazines would go, where you could go to a 7-Eleven and pick up Big Brother magazine and see. Yeah, it was, it was there for a little while. Yeah. Wild shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> like and, and Film Threat, too. Like Larry Flint bought Big Brother and Film Threat at the same time. And both were. Yeah kind of subversive magazines yeah no they they were and they were all in the mainstream areas newsstands on the streets 7-elevens grocery stores you know so what was the first concert you ever went to first concert i went to was rat and billy squire damn that's a double bill yeah uh rat opened up for billy squire i, I would i imagine but, they would i can't imagine yeah billy yeah squire would fit. yeah it was in Detroit, Michigan. I was at my step-grandma's house. And in the newspaper, you could read the local or the bands that were coming up uh, at the local, you know, like stadium or whatever to play. And I was just reading through and I saw like on this night, Rat. And I was, and it was spelled the way, you know, I didn't know of any other band that was like R-A-T-T. And I'm like, no way. And my grandma's like, well, I'm like, Rat. And she's like, they're like the opening band. They're opening. And I'm like, I don't care. I need to go. And I was there walking through, like, and everybody's like, who are you here to see? And it was kind of like heavy metal parking lot when you're walking through and you're talking to everybody. And I was like, I'm here to see Rat. Like, no, Billy Squire. I'm like, nah, <laughs> not Billy Squire, Rat. <laughs> That's like interesting because there's like a, almost like a tradition of, you know, I, th I forget who Slayer was out opening for when they played Toronto for the first time, but I think Metallica was opening for Raven. Oh, Slayer, I think, was opening for Wasp. Um, oh, no way, Wasp. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where, you know, these bands will bring these new hot metal bands out on the road, not realizing they're about to get blown off the stage with the energy of these bands. Yeah, I, I, that's crazy. I can't see Wasp being the headliner. They had, like, two hits. It and was Slayer had albums that <laughs> yeah. were hits. <laughs> it's like that little window, right? Like that little yeah. window where it just somehow made sense. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Wasp is not remembered in the same light that Slayers looked at. No way, nowhere <laughs> near. So what was the but first? I bet. I wonder if nowadays, like when those dudes are like telling stories and people are like, "Who are you?" Like, "Wait, we're Wasp, man." You know, we're this crazy band. Like one time, we even had Slayer open up for us. <laughs> They used to open for us, man. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the first punk show you went to? Oh, man. 
Um, I can't remember the first punk show I re- went to, but one that has a big memory in my heart is uh, Fear and Toy Dolls played together at the Palladium, Hollywood Palladium. And I was there, and that show was insane. I would think that would yeah. be a pretty violent show. Yeah, that was a violent show. That was pretty insane. Well, that's the other thing that comes up time and time again, kind of going back, you know, Keith Morris talks about it, the Go-Go's talk about when they were on the show. It's just, you know, as big as punk was in that part of America, it was also super violent and from a very yeah. early point and kind of yeah. goes right through. Yeah. What so. were what were some of the gnarly shows you went to? So, like, in terms of that sort of stuff, other than the Fear and Toy Doll show. So, that was a good one. There was, like, three huge pits going on in the general. Like, like I'm talking, like, 20-foot-wide pits. And, like, two on the one on each side and a big one in the middle. And then people all around it. And it was insane. Another one I went to was, like, these L.A. punk bands. They did a punk show at a skate park and and I'm talking in like the heart of LA in the late eighties, early nineties, early nineties. Um, and people just went crazy and started stabbing people. And I think three shots were fired there. And I was like, Holy shit, this is insane. Yeah. The stabbings like fat Mike talks about going to see the Dickies. And so his friend getting stabbed in front of him. Like, yeah, it feels like that was like a real present threat for people at shows it it, and punk rock shows during that time it was and it was like there was some gang affiliation with certain bands and stuff and they would show up with the bands and like oh fuck shit's gonna go down and uh at times it wouldn't or there'd be a little scuffle between the two gangs but i that show it was like it was a free-for-all and people were running and people who did not escape ramps and stuff were trying to jump up on top of the ramps and couldn't get on them. So we were just like up at the top, no problem, had our backs against the wall and stuff and just watching people. And I saw a couple of people get stabbed in front of me and it was gnarly. Fuck, that's insane. Yeah. yeah. Like it's uh, it's wild to think of like, you know, like punk is a thing that attracts people that, that need it, you know, and like yeah, some of those people – it's it's a positive place and for some people it's it's not such a positive place. it's an aggression razor <laughs> yeah yeah exactly in a yeah. place where like you know you can kind of uh, you know you can inflict violence and there's there's yeah. a lot very little accountability yeah 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 but for most people it's it's a it's a to get that let it let it out like let it go you know so yeah so what about uh, in terms of skateboarding, like it feels like, you know, uh, I think once again, Keith Morris, when he was on the show, talked about how, you know, s- extreme sports and punk music just go hand in hand, especially in that part of the country. Totally. All the early skate videos uh, I watched, that was another way that influenced like the punk music I liked was watching these old skate videos and they had the music in them. So you're like, what song is that? And of course, we couldn't like Google it, you know, back then. So we'd have to try and figure it out or look it up or, you know, go, write it down and go to the record store and go, hey, man, Black Lag or Fire Hose or Minutemen, you know, and yeah. you they'd be like, oh, well, I can order it or, you know, and you're like, All right, or I have it. And then you get it and you just hear the rest of the songs. 
And then you'll read interviews with them and then they mention other bands and then you, cause you like them. So then, and they like something. So then you want to hear that too. So that was another way of being influenced for music and it is skateboarding. Yeah, no. And I think that goes right the way through, you know, in throughout, like, you know, you're in last poets on the first big brother skate video, you know, like there's yeah. just, you know, always interesting music associated yeah. with skateboarding. And I think that yeah. was a huge crossover for people. And then big brother magazine, we did band interviews. So <laughs> Some of the funniest, I, the best ones. And we did them so different. We didn't do normal interviews. We didn't like, okay, when did the band start and who, who got the band? Like it wasn't questions like that at all. Yeah. It was like real heartfelt questions where the people would be like, Oh my God, this is the best interview I've ever done. And like, we had Slayer. We were doing an article with Slayer. So what did we do? We took the most metal band and took them to Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. <laughs> and it was one of the best trips ever. It feels like uh, prior to Larry Flint buying it, where I imagine things changed a little bit. But like at first, like that would have been like the Wild West of magazines. Like people talk about Vice in the early days. But Big Brother was Vice before Vice. Yeah, this was Vice before Vice. And it was the Wild West of any kind of magazine out there that was pushing the line where like porn was you know above in the racks that had plastic covers over them this was like knocking on the door of that and being still able to just go in and look at it yeah yeah like well there was and there was also stuff like you know stuff that would really freak out people like even a day like how to throw a satanic uh ritual or yeah. how to make fake IDs, you know, like stuff that make, would still freak people out. How to make homemade bombs and how stuff. Different bombs. Things. Yeah, everything. <laughs> yeah, and I, especially the early issues where the format changed, like sometimes it would be spiral bound and then sometimes it would be massive, the magazine. It, and then it was it was like that. Every magazine was different until Larry Flint bought them. Yeah. As soon as Larry Flint bought them, they stayed exactly the same. Yeah, it feels like that was, um, you know, kind of like the death knell. And I imagine that's like a moment of great triumph. Like you're, you're you know, the magazine's everywhere at this point, but it almost like it, it's going to be the end, right? Because <laughs> you can't be that magazine in any sort of even hustler corporate structure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just it had its perfect time. You know, it was it was there perfectly at the right time. It was needed skateboarding was going through this change and the normal publications that were doing skateboarding magazines weren't doing what the kids were actually doing that mm -hmm. it was almost like it was almost like polishing what skateboarding was but it wasn't you know yeah and companies wanted to take the risk and put ads in these magazines and the, the company said no we won't run these ads so they're like all right we're gonna do our own ads then and gave freedom to all the other skateboard companies to be in this magazine to do ads the way they wanted to. And it was also something so much more populist about it than something like, you know, Thrasher or Transworld, which catered to skateboarders, whereas this was catering to skateboarders, but then also the people that just hung around skateboarders. And like, you'd see Johnny Knoxville eating shit in a video and you're like, oh, he can't yeah. skate either. So it was yeah. like a lot more inclusive. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was like being at a skate park and the skaters are there, but it's also the circle group 
that's smoking weed and hanging out and causing trouble off to the side. Yeah. Yeah. The people so, that are watching the skate videos for the bales. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is like such a, you know, you mentioned that's a transition point for skateboarding. And I think it is such an interesting point where you have you know, like, like skateboarding culture being exported eventually, you know, and I think jackass is where this thing really is blown up to, you know, like a real mainstream level, but this idea of like what it, you know, being a skateboarder and like having no fear and, and sort of like just not giving a fuck. And yeah, this is where it was really kind of like you, you branded. Yeah. I think it's cause every single one of us came from that. Don't give a fuck place from when we were kids, you know, mm -hmm. like that's the reason I skated is cause I didn't give a fuck. It was something I could do on my own. I already in life was didn't care what an average person was doing. You know, I was doing my own thing. And this brought all of us together that felt the same way. But like, and I hate the word extreme, but to like a very different level, you know, of what everybody else was doing. Yeah. Because even when we were doing this, there was time that skateboarders didn't want to be a part of it or associated with it you know and then there was ones that are like this is fun crazy love it and da, da, da. and it's like okay you know there is people that are into it and there's people that are not into it yeah it's also fascinating how it's like kind of like a a, a voltron of people that are doing similar things independently in different parts of america kind of coming together you know like the cky yeah. stuff aaron's doing so like all you guys were kind of like yeah, you know, obviously the big brother being the central thing, but like you guys all kind of came together. It's like a super group of people doing insane stuff. Yeah, Voltron is a perfect example of putting it together and doing it like that. But if each piece went away, it still did its job and worked perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and it's also interesting, like you know, Steve-O and Aaron. Um, speaking about them directly, and yourself. All of you come from liking punk, but it's all completely different types of punk music. Yeah, I would say we'd have to, and that goes back to like our geographic, you know, nature. Yeah. And where we were at, you know? Yeah. So, and during those times, you know, it's, it comes from, you know, what you're around, what, what your habitats bring to you. Yeah. What's the so. first was the first time you were kind of on TV that um, interstitial for Adult Swim? Like 96, I think it is. 97, maybe. What was it, though? What it was, was like it an interstitial that they used to put in between episodes. And there's one of you skating. And then like a little. Oh, yeah, yeah. For Wonder Woman, for my favorite cartoon. Yeah, talking about Wonder yeah. Woman. Yeah. Yeah. Was that the first sort of thing that you did on TV? Cause you're also in that rap video that was like some group that's affiliated with Cypress Hill too, right? Trace delinquents. That's yeah, right. Trace that's delinquents. It. I was in that. That was all right around the same time. So yeah, I would say that was like being in a music video, being on like cable network, something like that for a little bit. Yeah. And what, how'd you get hooked up with being in the music video? Uh, I knew Send Dog. Uh, oh, yeah. And awesome. Send Dog was part of it. And he like contacted somebody knew me and said, Hey, we want we meant to skate in our video. So how'd, how'd you meet Send Dog? 
Uh, being out in LA, friends of friends. Yeah. So, yeah. When did you first go on tour for skating? 1996. What was went that? On a, went on a 40-day day across the whole United States skate tour for Sonic Skateboards. That is wild. Dude, dude it was insane. 40 days out. I I saw some stuff during that time that was, that you know, you wouldn't think you would see, like, at that time of your life. <laughs> yeah. I think it's so, a lot. It's a lot like being in a band, uh, you know, like a punk band, like a touring punk band. But it's yeah. But it's it's somehow like way less inhibited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's what you make it, you know. Yeah. We were showing up to like skate shops, and the demo was like a cur, like a parking block curb, a janky little ramp that some dad down the street made. And some kid brought a bench from the school and they're like, all right, come, you know, skate like a champion right on this stuff in front of the skate shop. <laughs> it's funny. because oh, on, sorry. And we were making like 20 bucks a, a shop, you know? <laughs> so it's a lot like being an independent punk band. Oh yeah. And then we'd get two hotel rooms for seven dudes and have to split it up and share. And it was either like the stoners rooms or the non-stoners room, so <laughs> it's yeah. It, it, it's also like that rare moment where that kind of feels like it was happening for skateboarding, you know, like where it was. So oh. oh, we thought we were we thought we were fucking the kings out there, you know. Yeah, you're like we're in hotel rooms, we're skating, we have nobody to answer to, we just keep driving and going to the next city, and it's like boom. It's wilder how much bigger it's gotten since then. Yeah, it's changed. Like during that time in the 90s, there was no skate parks or nothing, mm -hmm. but everybody was fighting for them. And then early 2000s, they started coming around. And it was like, man, we've been trying to fight for these for like 10 years. And now they're finally happening. And then once those kind of happened, then skating had this transition where it became like a lot of kids in school were doing it. It was more accepted. Like, it wasn't just like a group of 10 at a high school. Now it's like you had the football guys, you had the skaters, you had that, you know, yeah. and moms were dropping off kids at skate parks like daycare. <laughs> and yeah. it, it, it was a whole different scene, like the skate parks or skate spots or stuff that I went to when I was a kid. If you cut somebody off or you weren't skating that good or whatever, and the locals were there. You got elbowed. You got hit hard. You got, you know, you 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 had to earn your respect there, dude. These kids, when we would go there, anything you couldn't do anything. It was a whole change of a game, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's it is very different. It was also kind of outlaw, you know, like you would skate illegal spots. You would get chased. Oh by yeah, cops. It was very outlaw. Yeah, and then these parks came around, and it was very like it. It was like pay and play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I think it's like, you know, like, you know, you look at MMA and kind of the transition UFC went through where it was like, first, it's just like tough dudes, like just fighting, wiling out, you know, where then it all, transitions all, to a sport. No holds bar, all go out. Yeah. 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 Now it's like, now it's like a sport and people win on points and stuff like that. And I think you're, well, I don't know, like speaking as kind of an outsider, but with skateboarding, it feels like, you know, now it's in the Olympics. Now it's kind of yeah. like, it's transitioned from this thing it, where... 
it's still very widespread now. Like now there's like different styles, different things and all that. So at least there's that. And there's, there's multiple ways you can be a skateboarder and make it a career without having to be, you know, the jock one or the whatever, but those are, it's there now, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. And there's money there, right? Like there's, like you're saying before, it's like $20. Oh yeah. There is money there. There's ways to figure out how to make money in this. Yeah. Any which way. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting to watch how that changes things, you know, like it really does turn it from one thing into something different, not right or wrong, you know, or for worse. No, but it does change it. Yeah. 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 Uh, I got to talk to you about wrestling because okay. I'm a, I'm a big fan and you know, yeah. you, you took out my boy, Sammy Zane, friend of the show. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, you've been the around that, a, sorry, that, go on. that highest viewed WWE WrestleMania match ever. It was a lot that, of fun. That, yeah, that that WrestleMania was the highest viewed ever. It had the most replays, most ever. It this WrestleMania outnumbered Super Bowl this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so. it was well, amazing when you see. Like, I, I made a, a TV series about wrestling a couple of years ago, and it's amazing when you look at it and see how it goes around the world, and it translates to places that you know, American football doesn't where, where they call yeah. football another sport, you know, like there's yeah. wrestling is something that just, you don't need titles for it. You know, <laughs> no, people know what's going down when there's people two know. dudes fighting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, uh, I don't know, but it's interesting, like, you know, talking to Steve-O and about his experience around it. Did you grow up a fan of it? Like, he seems like he was kind of guard off, caught off guard, like the Omaga thing, especially where, he got roughed up pretty bad in the ring by Umaga. Like, did you know going in, like, what it was and how to ha- handle yourself around it? Or is that something you kind of, like, picked up from watching it? Or I picked up from watching it, but um, I knew, like, we weren't going to, like, if you notice, like, I, I really picked up Sammy, slammed him, pun- I was punching him, um, maybe held back a little on the punches, but the kick to the face I got... <laughs> I was supposed to move my face a little bit sooner than I did, but I was like, fuck it, man. We do some crazy shit. I could take a foot to the face one time. And I did. And I got shooken up. So people knew that shit wasn't fake right then, you know? And it, yeah, it's not fake. It's entertaining wrestling, but there's some real shit that happens. Oh, yeah. Well, every yeah. time you go out there, you're taking your life in your hands. It's like a lot like yeah. what you guys do. Like it's, you, you have to take it seriously because yeah, you dropped on your neck. That's that's the end of you're your, done. You're done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it's a uh, it's you know very similar in the way that it's also all about the sell. You know, like oh, totally. Watching you guys, it's what part of what makes you so different than I guess other random people hurting themselves on the internet, which has now become a cottage industry is these reactions that you have it's the the tremaine said it best he said uh you can watch a thousand youtube videos of people you know doing kind of the same shit as us but you're not going to get the feeling that you get when you watch it with us and our personalities and everything like that that's what's a big change and we were doing this before youtube before social media before all of that 
So people grew up like these dudes do this, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, so. I think Aaron was telling me that he talked to someone from YouTube and that they said that it was like the jackass stuff that really got YouTube going. Like people watching these jackass clips. And oh, it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Look at funniest home videos, America's funniest home videos. Look at ridiculousness. Look at all that. It's all the same shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's really like it's become. Well, you know, like looking at the, uh, so many people that's been on this pod that have been on this podcast, uh, so many people I know, you know, everything from wrestling to music are influenced by you guys. Like it's gotten to the point now where it's like music, you know, it's like it, it's it's impacted culture, you know, culture shifted because of jackass. Once again, for better, for worse, in some cases, I guess. Uh, I would have to say, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know which one, but it is for better or worse. <laughs> Does it ever weird you out that it is, there are so many people that kind of copied you? Like there was a, a moment there where people were talking about jackass crews and, and turning it into a sport unto itself. Kind of, yeah, but you know what I mean? It's, it's I consider that like tribute bands mm-hmm. like we're the band that we got together and we've made it we, we put out four movies which is like putting out four different albums and now the you know crews whatever want to do the same thing as us and it's it, it's like a tribute band they'll never make it as and i'm not dogging them or nothing but you know imitation is the best form of flattery but they'll never make it as like where we did but hey, if they want to do it, and you know, it it just gives us more attention too. So go for it. Well, I don't think it's even a question of like people copying you because at this point, you know, it's not even like a tribute band. It's almost like the Ramones, you know, or or Grandmaster Flash. Like you guys created a genre, like created a whole new sector of entertainment. <laughs> True. <laughs> like it really like i i can't tell you how many people have come on this show you know like darby allen you know i think actually even maybe shot something um with steve-o not too long ago but he's a wrestler in AEW and now and wrestles on tv every week but you guys are like the biggest influence on him maybe even more than any other wrestler yeah well mgk got the same tattoo as me on the wrist he got and it's like i know he copied exactly me it looks exactly the same yeah and mine's shitty mine i i did it to look like a like a stamp that you get at a bar when you go in and they they know you're like 21 and over i wanted it to look like that shitty and his looks just as shitty yeah (laughs) (laughs) i've seen some really good ones out there but i was like that's not jackass you know we're not it's not fucking beautiful or nothing and i uh, i just want do it like a stamp Well, and that's the tribute, right? Like that, like you're talking about the tribute acts as, are like the people that are actually like copying your style of tattoo. More yeah. Than just the tattoo itself. Yeah. And those would have been the kids that would have been exposed to it. Well, you know, hopefully not kids because they weren't supposed to be watching it back then as kids. But like those oh, were, kids been watching it. Come on. Kids were watching it. Kids were definitely watching it. it yeah. Probably the most popular. Not lie to ourselves. <laughs> it was like the Pee Wee's Playhouse of that era. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of kids are watching it, but like All the kids are watching. And now these are the kids that are making movies that are, you know, playing in bands that are doing all this other stuff. Like it's, 
it's not just the the form of entertainment you inspired. It's all these other fields of entertainment that were inspired by it. Crazy. Never thought of it that way. Yeah, it's 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 also interesting when you when like I was saying before, if you put in the context of like performance art and people like, you know, Joe Coleman or people that did stuff with, you know, extreme things with their body, this is what they were doing, but taken to obviously a lot less well actually I shouldn't say that. Is there do you view things as having meaning when you do them, like the stunts? No, oh no, I kinda if no, I don't think there's meaning. And like thinking about it now, the way he said it and stuff, it's kind of like a Gigi Allen thing where Gigi Allen just did shock shit, you know, in front of the stage, but he wasn't doing it for anything else, but just, you know, the shock. And I think sometimes that's like, we do that for the film. Like we know, like no matter what, we'll get hurt for a little bit, but pain is temporary, but film is forever. It's funny though, because it is like Gigi Allen, but the difference between what Gigi Allen does and what you guys do is consent. Like you guys all, you know, obviously there's surprises that you don't know are coming. And oh yeah, that, of course. But you all consent to be part of this thing. Whereas I think a lot of people would go to a Gigi Allen concert, not really knowing that the poop was coming. <laughs> you know what? He was a little bit ahead of his time. You know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Would he be in Jackass 4 if he was still alive today? Oh, totally. He would have been in every Jackass. <laughs> he would have He would have brought it, though, because you guys don't, I guess you do do some stuff with fluids, but blood is never really as much at play, you know? Like, it's not like... Not, not as much, yeah. It used to be a little bit, but not as much. Steve-O did a few things blood, and Dave always did things poop. Yeah. So... <laughs> I guess everyone has their uh, milieu, right? Like, oh, they're, yeah. they're chosen yeah, for the yeah, subgenre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was there any stunt that you saw any of the other guys do that you would have been like, I would have quit if I had drawn, drawn the short straw and had to do that? Was there anything that you'd be like, there's no way I would do that one? Uh, when Preston got the, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's the fireplace windblower <laughs> yeah. in the ass. We all really had to draw straws because no one wanted to sign up for that. And he drew the short straw. So I was like, damn, I'm so fucking glad I didn't draw that straw. What is it about that one? Because to me, like that, that would suck. But there's so much worse shit. I don't know. It's just there's something about it. (laughs) That's a bad one. I think you're also you're going to be the farter, right? Like. You know, like you're not going to be the farty, you know, like you're not getting farted yeah. on. Steve-O, Steve-O was the one who got farted on. <laughs> yeah. He's but, yeah, but Preston had to indulge, you know, the thing going up his butt. That's true. But like, yeah, the car, there's been a lot of things that have been put up butts. Yeah, there has. So I don't know. It's amazing that that one stands out as as the. Oh, that one's. Yeah, that was the horrible one. Uh, the other thing that's sad side about this whole thing is the fact that like for this fame you're ultimately trading your body injuries that come with this thing are there any sort of long-term injuries that you've suffered from jackass like obviously you've probably injured yourself many times through skateboarding as well yeah no not jackass all my major broken bones come from skateboarding do you think that's why you're so fearless doing it i think so yeah 
Yeah, because I already know like the pain. And Jeff always says a lot to me at times. He goes, dude, you know you're gonna slam on this. Don't fucking skate slam and slam, like, you know, don't cat like reflexes, like just let yourself slam. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'll try it. Your body reacts how it's gonna react. And if I know I'm gonna slam, I like the tug and roll is what I'm going for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and I think the thing that is you know, probably the worst part is getting hurt, being hurt, and then having someone stick a camera in your face right afterwards to get the reaction. Oh, dude, yes. You want to kill people during that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess going back to, to punk stuff, did you ever want to play in a band? Or did you ever play any bands? Uh, I did. Uh, just a little garage band. We were called the Less Than Tall Ones. Yeah. And my buddy and I had a drum set. and We, we had, like, probably about eight or nine songs we did do you play any shows no no shows nothing like it never it never took off do you ever want to go back and start trying to do music again or no uh maybe i don't know i i've been wanting to but i just haven't had that time and chance so yeah i guess there's been but, you know something in the you know last two years that has prevented a lot of music yeah, stuff from happening very busy yeah um, this has been incredible. And anytime you want to come back on this thing and talk about punk or performance art, you know, you're always welcome. I do want to say a little, uh, another thing. Yeah. Uh, Keith Morris, you know, black flag circle jerks. Uh, he, he wrote his book and I went and saw him in LA and, uh, it's, uh, in Los Feliz area at a little bookstore. And then this was like, probably like, Six six years ago, whatever, maybe five six years ago. Six years and then, ago. Yeah, and then uh, my buddy and I, or Rick Kosick and I, went, and our buddy opened up a burger place next to the bookstore, and we were over there uh, having burgers. And I was telling my buddy Rick, I was like, Rick, did one of the best things was seeing Keith Morris like at this you know thing, kind of like doing a, a read of his book, but telling stories too. And people were in there and you just walked in and you heard and I heard he was going to be there. It was really awesome. And no joke, we're still eating. Ten minutes later, Keith Morris walks by us. <laughs> and we're like, are you fucking kidding? Like, we manifested that? Like, we talk about him and he has to walk right by? I'm like, that's the best thing ever. The, the way I went on tour years ago with um, Tenacious D in uh, yes. australia and we had uh, an off day and went and saw off play um and <laughs> <laughs> oh wow that worked perfect perfectly um and uh, i was like on the way there like you know i said to jack black like did you ever know keith morris back in the day because you guys are from orange county's area like do you ever see him on the strand or any of that stuff he's like oh i used to see him around but he would not remember me at all like i didn't ever talk to him or anything and we get to the show we go backstage and and Jack goes to introduce himself, and he's like, "I remember seeing you walking around the Strand back in the day when you were a little kid." Like, <laughs> just no way. <laughs> it was awesome. He's got he's got mystical powers. That Keith Morris, he manifests himself in restaurants, or you know, can remember every moment of his life. Apparently, oh my god, no way. It was really that's weird. funny. <laughs> uh. But this has been awesome. And as I say, thank you for years and years of entertainment, because I've certainly gotten many hours of 
enjoyment, fear, and uh, ultimately uh, deep thought from your work. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> Thank you, Jason, for coming on the show. And you heard right there, Jason will be back at some point in the future to talk about more punk. Because, uh, yeah, any anytime. I, I, maybe we'll get a bunch of jackass people together. And I forgot, Lance Bangs is, all, is also uh, a former guest of the show. So check out Lance Bangs' episode. Uh, a, a very much key part of the jackass family. Also has done a lot outside of the jackass world as well. So check out Lance, Steve-O, Danger Aaron, or just listen to Jason's one again. You know, right off the top. Just rewind. Rewind, selector. Start it over. No, you got a lot more podcasts to listen to, and including coming up in a few days, hopefully, a, a part two that uh, has been in hot, hot demand for a very, very long time from the band. Let's go back. Slugfest from the band despair from the band buried alive from the band, uh, uh, terror from the band. Uh, Oh God. Well, we we fade away. We talk about a lot next week. Scott Vogel is back. My big brother from Buffalo is here on the show, returning. Uh, he, he, you know, maligns punk. We go through my Buffalo 7-inch collection, record by record, and have just a, a good time with a a legend. Not just a Buffalo legend, a, a Southern Ontario legend as well. Um, being in Buffalo, though. He's not from Southern Ontario. But anyway, talk all about it next time on the show. All right, that is it. Remember, as always, black lives matter. The lives of indigenous peoples matter. We need to protect trans kids and help trans people protect themselves and stop hate and violence towards people of different faiths and people of different nationalities and ethnicities and and races and just knock out all that fascist bullshit. Because we're not talking about political issues here. We're talking just about basic human rights. People have the right to live without fear of violence and hatred and discrimination. So, you know, if there's, if there's stuff happening in this world that you want to see change, get involved in organizations that are, are fighting the good fight. You know, you can donate your time, you can donate your money, you can donate, you know, supplies in some cases, depending on what is going on. Because, you know, if you don't get involved, you know, that's one less person kind of trying to turn the tide. Um, this podcast remains a, a pro-choice podcast, and we respect people's rights of what they want to do with their reproductive systems. It feels weird to have to say that uh, in this day and age, but it's uh, it's on it. It's under attack everywhere, including here in Canada. So, uh, you know, say it loud. Get involved, and in, once again, in, in organizations, if you if you want, there's a lot of stuff to get involved in. A lot of stuff to get involved in. Uh, it can be overwhelming at times. So. Uh, be, be easy on yourself. Try meditation. I didn't believe in it, and then I tried it, and it worked for me, and it, it continues to kind of work for me. You got to remember to do it, though. That's the that's the hard part, and, and force yourself to do it. It's like exercise. And, uh, you know, once again, people have been practicing this for centuries all over the world, but I did not believe in it, and now I do. Uh, 
speaking of things I believe in, I believe that punk is a culture that gets better once you get involved in it and you should get involved in it. So go out there, start a band, start a fanzine, start a record label, start, you can start a podcast, but I don't know why you would. Uh, you can start, uh, I'm just kidding. Start a podcast, start something, you know, just, or just draw a picture for yourself. Draw, be creative. Being creative helps. Making something helps. Uh, yeah, make your own culture. Go there and make your own culture. Anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. I think that is it. Oh, sign your organ donor cards because when they come looking for those organs, you don't need them. No, they're just literally dead weight at that point. So, you know, sign those things because it can it can really provide people with a, a miracle. I've seen it happen firsthand. And that is it. Thank you, as always, for listening. Stay safe. Uh, stay well, and I will see you on the next episode.